0: five four three three, two one One. this is this is an occasion to tell your friends about because uh we you know what was it what was that two months ago six weeks episode
1: episode 19 this is episode 25 six weeks
0: episode there you go so a month and and a half ago uh,
2: i was gonna say eight episodes ago we got it (laughs)
0: <laughs> about 150 episodes ago, um, we we talked about the ATD capability model, which was this brand new toy that ATD came out with. And you know, we kind of we kicked it around a little bit. We had some thoughts about it, and it got picked that that episode got picked up by uh, by ATD itself, and this is going to be an exciting episode because we get to sit down you know, virtually and interview Morgan Hurt, who was one of the original, uh, uh, one of the people that really steered the ship there. Uh, if you're wondering, my name is Dan Hurt, and I'm calling in from Mississauga, Ontario.
2: Sure. My name is Adam Cossacks, I'm calling in from Dallas, Texas.
1: And Eli Barant from the Mitten State
0: the mitten state that's right so we are the three gentlemen that were there for the first part of the discussion it seems fitting that we three come back for this part of it as well um and i like that you did the uh qualifier that it is virtual
2: because i was sitting i was sitting at dinner tonight and uh my wife's mom is here so my my in-law is here she's like the lady's coming over to the house She's gonna come into the garage, and I was like, "No, no, no, we're doing a podcast virtually." She's like, "But she's gonna sit in the garage and do the podcast with?" She's very confused about the entire process yeah, that we we'll were going to be doing.
0: Out she can sit on them. Yeah,
2: be fine. I, she didn't know I have a green room in the back and everything like that. But uh, <laughs>
1: it is all virtual. That we're gonna be
2: talking to Morgan.
0: Yeah, I don't M&M's. know. M Ms. Green M Ms. Obviously, and yes. and and Sprite. What's the one I'm thinking of?
1: What's right? the
0: green squirt? Oh, that's squirt? good. Squirt? That's good. Well, is that, there a, too. is that a green? That's a citrusy. It's a green pop, right?
1: Yeah, it's a grapefruit. It's grapefruit Love yeah. and lemon lime.
2: Yeah, speaking of pop, though, I was just in Michigan. I had a bunch of Fago pop this week. Oh, that's
1: fantastic. What'd you have?
0: fago ladies and gentlemen if you're not familiar with it if you don't listen to the insane clown posse uh you might not have heard of fago it's a very very detroit uh, michigan thing like verners like verners yes. a lot of people haven't heard of verners either
1: oh i wowed yeah, my uh, uh, my trainees yeah, from thing. philadelphia two weeks ago with verners they'd never seen it heard of it did you and they were and they were wowed by it it's amazing they, they should
0: be that stuff's incredible it's awesome <laughs> All right. If you want to uh get the show notes for this episode, it's going to be mosby.ca slash zero two five. Uh and we also, if you want to send us an email, i uh, say, Oh, you Adam's should you should have asked this question in the interview. Oh, uh, and Adam, like a hawk, guys. MosbyLearning@gmail.com. Okay. at gmail.com all right adam do you want to uh let morgan out of your green room or what <laughs> <laughs> oh boy after these messages we'll be right back ladies and gentlemen this is very exciting we have with us today somebody from the mothership from atd itself uh morgan hurt has joined us on the mosby learning podcast morgan how are you
3: i'm great dan thanks for having me on today
0: Absolutely. This is a real trip for us. And I think before we do anything else we should address exactly how not related we are <laughs> no
3: nepotism here no nepotism <laughs> here that's
0: no. For sure. <laughs> we, we, and we did we did have a little pre-production conversation folks and we established that there is no way we could be less related um, it's it's uncanny how little <laughs> we are related but uh it, we're we're happy to have you on that's for sure and so of course you're here because of the uh because of the ATD capability model that you guys recently came out with and well let let me ask you just quickly how did you guys hear about us at all like how did we come into your sphere
3: sure so you know we saw a your promotion of the podcast on LinkedIn. And so we're excited about everyone out there that's excited about the model. So we wanted to give it a listen and just hear what people had to say. Um, So, you know, that's really how we found you. And then I know um, my right-hand woman, Holly Batts, reached out to you so that we could connect because we thought there was certainly definitely some more territory to explore about it. And again, we're really happy just to have people out there taking a look at it and exploring it further.
0: For sure, for sure. Yeah, big uh, big thank you to Holly. That was uh, that was terrific. I'm glad she kind of liaised for us <laughs> yes. there. So so let me ask you, why did you guys see the need to change the model?
3: Sure. So, you know, ATD has actually been developing competency models for over 40 years. This is actually the ninth iteration of the one that we've done. And the last one came out in 2013. Um, And so it really is best practice to update those models periodically. And we all know that no job stays completely static. So in 2018, it was, you know, what is that five years after the last model was released, and it does take a while to do the research and develop the framework and come out with the update. So we started that process really just as the natural course of updating a competency model. Um, And that's kind of really why we started to take a look at it in the first place. Um, But as part of that, ATD worked with a advisory group of some thought leaders in the field and one of the things that we talked with them about was that everything is changing so rapidly these days it's not just in digital transformation it's not just in sort of the rapid rate of everything. It's it's a huge rate of change for things. And so, we wanted to make sure that the model was reflecting all of those things, and that we had a way to make sure that the model stayed as current as possible. So, that's really part of why we started to take a look at it.
2: Gotcha. So, Morgan, you know, when you're looking at this model, how do you think it fits the learner better, or, you know, really the learning professional better than the previous model? Like, what's the big difference there? Because I noticed when we look at this model, there's a lot more to it. It seems like a lot more beefed up than the previous model.
3: Sure. So as you note, uh, the last model, the one that came out in 2013, as models before it had really focused on those very specialized technical skills that talent development professionals need. And I think it's also important to note that This is really the first time that this kind of study was done under the banner of talent development. When ATD did the research back in 2013, they were still ASTD. And so it was also an opportunity to sort of look at what does talent development look like? Where are the edges of that profession? And so instead of simply taking the old model and going back out to the field with sort of that same information, we made the decision to start from scratch in terms of identifying all the possible knowledge and skills that someone engaged in talent development might need to have in order to be successful. So in developing the occupational survey that is the basis for all of this, we really started with a blank canvas and worked with a number of task forces to really create a long laundry list of what possibly could be the knowledge and skills that people needed to have. We actually ended up with 197 knowledge and skill statements um, that actually went out in that occupational survey. So again, it was that we didn't hmm. have a preconceived notion of what the results were going to be when we started this process. We really just wanted to take a pulse from a wide range of people across the profession to see what was relevant and, and what isn't relevant. And that's sort of how we found ourselves here
2: yeah so you so you had at one point you had 197 you said Mm -hmm. and so it, it ended up at about 150 right where uh, we're <laughs> No, it's <laughs> 188. Okay. Oh, so a long-running joke on the Most We Learning podcast. I, Adam can't do math here. So, <laughs> but one of the things that, that I did notice is you landed on 23 capabilities. Talk mm-hmm. to me about that. Talk to me about that process, right? You, you sent out a survey. We got all these different things. That's a lot of capabilities. How did you guys? What was the process that you went through? How did you vet that? How did you actually land on 23? And was that that at one point? Was that 50? Was that 60? And then whittled down? What did you guys do?
3: Sure. So that was actually a really interesting process and in some ways part of the fun, but in other ways part of the major difficulty. Um, So as I said, 197 statements went out in an occupational survey we had the largest response to that survey that we've ever had to an occup that kind of competency survey. We had over 3000 individuals who went through and and gave us their responses um, on all of those statements, as well as answering some demographic questions. And so it really was actually the data that told us how many knowledge and skill statements needed to be in the model. Uh, We did throw some out because not enough people felt they were important. We did also do some combining where we found that some overlapped too much, and it was sort of splitting hairs to have two separate statements. And then literally we put – it was old school. We put every Mm -hmm. single statement on an index card, (laughs) and we started grouping those statements together. What logically – you know what buckets do those statements logically combine into? And several times on a big, huge conference table, we sorted cards. And there were a group of us, and we would walk around the table and say, hmm, "I don't, I don't know if that belongs here. Maybe it belongs over here with this group of things." And we sorted and we sorted. Um, at one point, um, there were probably close to thirty capabilities, and we said. And at that point, really? we weren't even calling them capabilities yet. Okay. Um, you know, we said that's too many, but trying to fit them into the previous 10 AOEs didn't make sense either. Hmm. Um, and so we really went with grouping them all together. And once we were happy with the groupings, then we sat down to figure out what we should call each group.
0: So so you've got... Um... 3,000 people that respond to this and as you said that's the most amount ever like I don't know if you offered them a free set of steak knives or something but uh, yeah, how, how did, did you get, get such, that such survey? a massive response? Well yeah, I
3: know it actually it's one of the I've done probably this is probably the 18th occupational survey like this I've done in my career and it's the largest set of data I've ever had the pleasure to work with um, but we uh, you know ATD has 33,000 plus members all over the world and so um, that survey link went to all of those people as well as all of ATD's other customers—people who maybe aren't a member but uh, take a course with us or go to the annual conference, people who are certified but aren't a member—we uh, had it distributed through our chapters. It was on LinkedIn, on Twitter, you know, you name it. Uh, we got the survey out there as quick, you know, as far and wide as we possibly could, and we did. Um, People who completed it did get into entered into a drawing for things like um, steak knives. Yeah, steak knives. There was an Apple Watch. I can't remember what all of the actual Whoa. things were. But, you know, we did offer an incentive like that, and it probably took people 30 to 45 minutes to go through all of those
0: statements. Mm. Interesting. So you have a background, uh, quite a deep background in credentialing
3: that's correct. Um, like I've,
0: that's that's your bread and butter. Can you, can you just, uh, show us a, or tell us a little bit more about that and, and how you might go about something uh, like this project?
3: Sure. So certainly people don't necessarily don't really go to college and say, hey, I want to work in credentialing. It's sort of one of those things that I fell into, um, but it kind of fits my sensibilities because it has some nice, neat Uh, best practices, guidelines, and rules, but it kind of allows you to really dive into a particular profession or industry and start to pick apart, you know, what do those people do and what do they need to know? Um, And so all of these projects start in a very similar way. Um, I've worked a lot with emerging professions. So industries that are trying to establish themselves as having a unique body of knowledge um, to separate themselves from perhaps other types of practitioners. Uh, So I've worked actually with massage therapists, of all things, way back in the mid-90s when most massage therapists were licensed as adult entertainers, and we built a certification program that helped now those massage therapists become licensed, at least here in the U.S., um, as in many states as healthcare practitioners, or at least have an occupational license instead of an entertainment license. Totally different ballgame up in Canada there, but um So I've worked with. Yeah,
0: everybody's entertaining up here.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Massage therapy is very serious in Canada, Um, but uh, I've worked with charitable fundraisers, um, mortgage brokers, audiologists, clinical research professionals, um, IT workers in healthcare, IT workers in K through 12 education. Hmm. And now here with talent development. And so you really do assemble a group of subject matter experts that hopefully is a diverse group to, again, come up with that laundry list of knowledge and skills. And then you put it out there and see what people tell you. And sometimes what comes back is surprising. (laughs) Um, And other times you sort of like, yep, that's what we kind of expected people to say. And I think with this particular survey, because we started from scratch we really didn't have any preconceived notion of you know what was going to come out of it um but we're pretty happy with what we ended up with
0: well i mean with a sample size like that that's uh, you know starting with would you say 34,000 or something like that that uh that covers a lot of territory and it kind of makes me wonder uh y- you know every one individual that fills this out is filling it, against, against, filling it out against something that was a representative across, you know, 3,000 individuals. So um, I, I'm wondering about the differences between – because it seems like it's the assessment anyways. Let's, so the assessment that I took – so here's, here's the thing, uh, Morgan. I was very sad about my score on this.
1: <laughs> and I was sadder.
3: Of yeah.
0: yeah, we were all a little sad, but but I you know I wonder. So how how do you, uh, how does ATD as an organization do they position it as you know like someone that's in a chief learning officer role should be able to do this or an instructional designer should focus here? Like how do you guys do that? Because I fill out the whole thing, right? Everybody fills out the whole thing,
3: right? So let's back up for a second. So you know what ended up in the model was. The knowledge and skill statements that a majority of people a vast majority of people who responded to the survey told us was important for them to be able to do their job successfully sure and so that pool of 3033 people actually um you know we dove deeply into the demographics of those folks because we wanted to make sure that any model that we built would be representative of the profession. And certainly not every single professional's job is going mm-hmm. to look the same, particularly in talent development, because a you an know, um, office of one in a medium-sized mm-hmm. organization versus being one of 350 talent development people in a large multinational company, those jobs are going to look different. Um, so that's why this survey kind of levels the playing field we were very pleased to get a really wide range of people who responded to the survey. So we had about a quarter of the respondents were true entry level professionals with you know, about zero to two or three years of experience. Um, about uh, 70 or so, let me do the math in the head, no, not quite that many, maybe 60% of respondents were in what? you know might be considered atd's sort of bread and butter member those specialist and manager level people but we also had 12% of our respondents from the c suite so we were representing everyone from that entry level person all the way through to the c suite and mm-hmm. so you know this is the set of knowledge and skills that the majority of people across that range told us was important now i totally understand what you're saying about The assessment. (laughs) And really, we put this model out there to say these are all of the things that a talent development professional needs to know and be able to do. With that, however, of course, is that every talent development professional and every organization they work for is going to be different. And so the assessment portion of the model is really there to help talent development professionals develop themselves. Um, I hear it from people on the phone almost every day that. They put most of their energy into developing others and sometimes forget about themselves. And so this is really an opportunity for people to explore what's possible, um, to, you know, look at different areas to upskill um, and perhaps looking at a particular area of the model that they might not think was relevant to their job today, but actually could be the stepping stone to their next job as they expand a certain set of skills. So, you know, we, the, the, assessment tool was put out there because it's something people have asked for, a way to measure themselves against ATD's uh, competency models. And so we developed that assessment to allow people to do it. From my perspective, even the most experienced professional is not going to score 100% on any kind of competency model because there's always something that you aren't quite as familiar with and there's always some new change in the field that you need to stay on top of and so it's put there really as a barometer for people to kind of look and see what's possible and to try to honestly help them focus on their own professional development
2: so so nobody's going to score 100 what's the average score (laughs)
3: Good question. We actually haven't pulled that data yet, believe it or not. Um, We've really been focused on trying to get people in there um, and reviewing the assessment. We have actually had over 8,000 people start the assessment um, Mm -hmm. since we launched the model. And so we want to give people, you know, most people don't do it in one sitting. Um, So we want to give people time to you know, fill it out completely. That's what we certainly hope people do. But we also recognize that some people say, I am not ever going to be involved in coaching. It's just not part of my Mm
0: -hmm. portfolio
3: at work. It's not something I'm interested in. So I'm going to ignore the coaching part and I'm just going to look at the rest of it. You know, or someone who might say, you know, I'm really more on the org dev side. I'm not really an instructional designer. I'm not going to look at that stuff. Um, And so while people are certainly free to do that, To me, what's exciting about this model is that it really, or at least I hope, it really shows people that they need to blend those knowledge and skills across those three domains of practice to really be effective.
0: That's interesting. And those three domains, because I don't even think we've mentioned them yet, maybe we have uh, impacting organizational capability Developing professional capability, not our strong suit here, and <laughs> building personal capability. Right. So those are the those are the big three that you guys came up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, were there any uh, Were there any kind of surprises that you got back from uh, you know from your occupational survey that were something that maybe you didn't expect or that was definitely not just not on the previous model, but something that was maybe a, a step and a half away from the previous model.
3: So good question. And as you know, we've noted, the previous model really focused on the specialized technical skills of talent development professionals. So your instructional design, your mm-hmm. training delivery, evaluating learning impact, change management, those sort of core talent development concepts. And if you recall, the former Pentagon sat on top of a very nice foundation. that foundation included six additional areas one of which was global mindset Um, there was business skills or business acumen several interpersonal skill categories um, and things like that and uh, those were largely um i'll say ignored you know people said oh those are things everyone needs to have every professional needs to have and it wasn't really a focus of anyone so part of what we definitely saw that came out of the research that perhaps was a bit of a surprise, is that a majority of respondents were telling us that many of the areas in the personal capabilities were actually more important to their success than some of their technical skills. (laughs) So things like emotional intelligence and decision making, um, you know, certainly communication were things that came out as the most highly rated Meaning, most important concepts. Um, You know, instructional design and training delivery and facilitation were right up there, Um, but uh, consulting and business partnering, for example. Which actually sits in the organizational capability domain, you know, also came up as a top area. But collaboration and leadership, again, from that personal capability domain. And that sort of is in line with what we see coming out of other research. Um, IBM, for example, did a study a few months ago on the future of work. And one of the top takeaways from that is, you know, that we've spent all this time over the past several years upskilling people's technology skills. And we've totally ignored the soft skills. And now people are having difficulty playing nicely with each other. And so it's a return to, you know, collaboration and teamwork and leadership and, you know, good communication skills become top hiring priorities for people. And so we see that came out of the survey and I don't know that we expected that. And so that's why that uh, personal capability domain is, is on a level playing field with those technical skills because it turns out they are equally important, if not more so than those technical skills.
1: Morgan, just to kind of go back on that, uh, I, I posed a question right before you hopped on, on what has technology made L&D professionals worse at? And I think you kind of just uh, <laughs> kind of walked right into that one.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, I think, I think we've all skills. fallen down a little bit. Yeah. I think we've all fallen down on those communication and that, that collaboration. But so much of talent development success relies on really being in consultative partnership with other areas of the organization to fully understand what their objectives are and then to be able to effectively communicate that to a team that's building that learning experience and then, of course, to deliver it in whatever format to learners themselves to achieve that behavioral change. If, if we're not good at all of those communication pieces and really being that consultative partner, you know, things may not turn out. As well as they could have.
1: Okay, right, so I, another question you had earlier—you talked about the scope of the people who responded to the survey, right? Mm-hmm. Everything from entry level to, you know, your 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 C level. One uh, with those entry level zero to three. Um, what kind of background do you get on that? Are these folks who went to school for L&D and walk out with uh, knowing all the theories and all the, the, the nuts and bolts? Or are these folks who, like myself, gravitated, kind of fell into L&D because I was, go- I was good at the job and explaining the job. And that's kind of how I found my way into L&D. Like, where does that come from? Because I, I can see some of those super technical questions that you had. I could see those being from someone who has all this learned knowledge from college, from their degree, right. but has never put it to practice and saying, this is important, but I don't know why.
3: <laughs> sure. Well, and, and that's a different set of problems. <laughs> um, so the demographic information that we collected um, certainly asked people the number of years of professional experience and talent development. We certainly did also ask what people's highest level of education was, but it's not a one-to-one ratio. We certainly didn't ask if, you know, if you have a master's degree, is it in organizational development or is it in music right. you know, or engineering? So I can't say that we can um, slice the data that way. Okay. That just puts too fine of a point on it. But I take your, your point um, that there's a wide variety of people that might fall into that bucket. Um, so I guess I would say knowing that I know that the demographics of the respondent population was pretty broad. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm expecting that that zero to three year, zero to two le- year level person also has a pretty broad background. Okay. Um, certainly everything from those subject matter experts that are great trainers and end up making the switch to people who, you know, maybe it's their first job out of school from, you know, even a bachelor's degree in education, and they find themselves as an instructional designer.
0: Now, this was, uh, and this was the 3,000 people that completed it, they were a subset or a self-selected set, I suppose, of the membership base, right? So they are ATD members.
3: They're not necessarily all ATD members. Um, okay. That certainly is a the core of... Who received that survey? Um, but as I said, it went out to people who are certified, who are not necessarily ATD members, um, oh, and okay. we distributed it widely across social media and encouraged, you know, individuals to pass it along to their teams and their colleagues to try to cast that net as wide as possible.
0: What What was the time frame that you guys sent that out? Like, when um, did you start that?
3: So the actual survey was deployed at the end of yeah. December uh, 2018. Um, and it was open through mid February, 2019.
0: Okay. And that's just in the timeframe that you joined ATD. Is that right?
3: Right. I arrived in very early January. So the survey was actually largely put together or was put together, but when, before I arrived and deployed.
0: When, when you showed up, did, did you have thoughts like, oh, geez, I would have done it differently. (laughs) I think anybody that shows up
3: to a new job maybe has some of those thoughts. But, no, I mean, D <laughs> works with um, a great research partner called Humro, um, and they uh, do all kinds of competency model research as well as research for other credentialing programs and things like that, a lot of um, human resource um, research as well. So, you know, we had a good research partner in them to help us design that research survey appropriately.
2: Was there anything that you would have thought would have been on there that maybe we left off or you 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 were you're on the cutting room floor and you said you know I, I really like you're passionate and it was like it just got left off at the end
3: um you know i mean i think uh you know uh, hindsight's always 2020 i wish yeah. we had to collected perhaps a different or or larger set of demographics to be able to cut the data different ways um, although the cutting, the slicing and dicing that we have done is sort of across yeah. all of the the big groups. We've looked at subsets of the data from different industries, you know, healthcare versus government. We've looked at um, people outside of the U.S., which also had the largest response rate for us ever. 23% of our respondents were from wow. outside the U.S. Interesting. So looking at how to global... Um, professionals responded to the survey versus those in the US, uh, people who primarily are instructional designers versus people who primarily might do something else. So we did, again, sort of slice and dice that data a number of ways, again, to make sure that we weren't including something in the model that, you know, 25% of the population said, heck no, I don't
0: have mm-hmm. anything to do
3: with that. Um, so, you know, again, other than that, I think time will tell to see whether, we've left something off. But that was also something that we had um, in our minds as we built the new model. You know, every time ATD released a new model, they sort of changed the shape, they changed what was included in it, they changed the labels of it. And so going into this one, we wanted to be very mindful of the fact that change is so much more rapid now. And we wanted to try to create something that might be more evergreen and might help create more of a common language Mm -hmm. And so the model really focuses on, you know, what people need to know um, and what they need to do, but it doesn't get into um, the nitty gritty of how people do things. So, you know, designing a particular learning activity you know, 50 years ago might've looked one way or 41 years ago when we first did a competency model study might look one way, probably looks very different now. And we expect it to look different in several years. So we purposely have in mind to try to do pulse checks and stay on top of trends in the industry over the life cycle of this model so that we can switch out information in our courses, in our articles, you know, in the sessions we do at conference, and those kinds of things that help respond to the new how of doing something, um, even though the what you need to do might not change. Does that make sense?
2: Totally. Speaking of change, though, I was, I was pretty shocked when I was looking at it, and it's just more common. I was looking at you know some of the different ones. I was surprised change management only had four skill statements and wasn't a much bigger portion of the overall model.
3: Um, well, that's certainly um, reasonable feedback, and I think, yeah. as I said, part of the challenge of developing the model was putting those knowledge and skill statements together in a logical way, and we were mindful of not wanting to have a capability that only had one or two statements, and also mindful of not wanting to have a capability yeah. that had a large number. Um, both yeah. organizational development and culture and talent strategy and management have 16 or 18, something like that statements wow. respectively, And that's a lot. And that's a yeah, lot to sort of unpack as a professional. I think instructional design is up there too, which makes yep. sense when you think about it. Um, so there, it's possible that there are some statements that perhaps in the old model might have been included under change management. Mm -hmm. And in this model are maybe under org dev and culture um, or under future readiness. Um, So there were, you know, for example, needs assessment used to live in instructional design. But when we thought about that sort of new expanded scope of talent development as represented in this model and a talent development professional having to work with different business units and leadership to really, you know, deploy effective strategies, we started to think about needs assessment and talked about it not just being about learning, um, you know, in terms of being able to develop uh, learning objectives. And so we actually put the needs assessment into consulting and business partnering because being able to conduct a needs assessment needed to be about more than just the learning activity. So there may be some shifts there that, you know, if you dive in, you go, oh, that's where it is. I would have thought it was in change management, but now it's over here. And hopefully there's not too many of those, but, you know, it's... um, most everything that was in the previous model is still here.
2: (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Speaking of models, I I change the subject just a second here. Are you all looking to change the, because the sales side has a model itself, right? There's the ATD sales uh, capability model. Is that being looked at to be updated?
3: So that's a good question. I think we also have is that the SL model? I kind of forget what we call everything. Yeah. The SL model, I think, is our management yep. model. Anyway, um, so those are things that we also want to look at. I was actually chatting with a colleague of mine today about, hey, let's let's map that stuff to this model and see what's different, see what's the same.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, again, I think no job stays static. And so it's always healthy to take a look and make sure that those models represent what actual practice looks like on the ground.
0: Now I think um you know the the way that this whole kind of getting together thing worked out uh was interesting because we, when we when we recorded that episode a, a while ago, um, maybe I don't know, maybe it's two months ago. Um, it was one of those things where if you're if you're having a conversation uh, about your friend and they're in the other room and then they hear you, um, that, <laughs> that's kind of what it was like. Because you know, I don't know that we expected this to fall on the ears of uh, of ATD, but Especially I mean, I'm glad so it got there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, hey, there's, there's. Let's let's give social media its due, you know. I mean, um, Modern times. <laughs> there, there are times. Well, and and you know, certainly one of the things was that uh, we certainly addressed the fact that ATD is not just a professional uh organization and and it provides credentialing, but it's also a business. Um and we we did you know we did talk I, I mean we 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 talked about it. We shouldn't we shouldn't uh pretend that we didn't talk about it, you know. And we took a couple couple shots maybe, but the idea was that it's a business and this does highlight people's opportunities. Um so as kind of looking at it from that perspective, do you guys think that it still, it accomplishes those things? Like, uh, do you think that there is an equal kind of, um, people seeing the opportunity for it and you guys make it easy for them to find those opportunities? Like in, in your, the, the resources that you guys have available?
3: So, I mean, I think what's important about an, any professional association, you know, there should be a voice that helps lead what, you know, to help define what that profession is and to help lead people to, keep up with how that profession is changing and to look at the full scope of that. Um, I think sure, does it do we provide an opportunity for people to identify where their own knowledge and skill gaps might be? Absolutely. I think that's an important piece of the puzzle and it actually is one of the top questions that we get at headquarters both on the phone and in email people are saying i'm i'm here and i need to be able to do this can you tell me how to do that how do i gain those knowledge and skills Mm -hmm. so that's certainly part of the role of any professional association Um, i think we've been conscious as we've uh, built the, as we built the interactive piece that we wanted, of course, to be able to connect people with those answers so that if someone rated themselves and went through that self-assessment and prioritized their development, that we wanted to be able to connect them with resources. And so we do have a resource feed available, but it includes things like TD Magazine articles and um blogs and insights and those kinds of things in addition to courses and webcasts and and those kinds of things. So, you know, I think what we're really trying to do is give people as many opportunities as possible to identify ways to expand their knowledge and skill set. Um, One of the things that we will be rolling out uh, later this year um, should be in time for the ATD annual conference in Denver in May, um, is an enhancement to the online interactive model, which would be to allow people to develop a personalized learning plan. So after going through that assessment, being able to select those things that you want to prioritize for development and then to provide you with a way to connect both to ATD resources, but also to add in other resources to your learning plan that may not be ATD things. Um, That you want to, you know, read this book that might not be an ATD book, or go to, you know, a local event, or perhaps pursue a degree or professional certificate. And that online you'll be able to build out that professional learning plan and then be able to track your progress against it Um, and then of course conceivably go back into the model and reassess yourself to sort of see what knowledge and skill gaps that you've closed
2: dan uh, you can increase your scores man (laughs) <laughs> That's the I whole mean, life. yeah, really we clear. want
3: everyone
2: to yeah. score. <laughs> I was going to say we can we can we can work on this development plans, in and Dan, you're going to score a lot higher. Yeah, I'm on a pip already. You are on a pip. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so so let me ask you. You had mentioned, and this this we're coming to our last couple questions here, folks. Um, you had mentioned kind of the life cycle of the model. So do you guys have already kind of maybe like a, a five year down the road idea of where you? might go differently or, or how you would approach it differently
3: um, I I'm no I wouldn't say that we were quite there yet having only released yeah. it about two months ago or actually yeah about <laughs> two months ago crap um, it so, but but what we are conscious of, as I mentioned earlier, that you know the rate of change in, in this profession and any in the world is so yeah. rapid these days that we do want to more frequently um, do some environmental scanning and see what trends are popping up that look like they might not just be fads, but maybe something that is a change that's starting to take hold, and to then monitor that you know develop and it starts you know uh, at a very low level it starts with some blogs and some insights in a webcast talking about yeah. these emerging trends and as things appear to solidify in the profession you know then looking at do we have to develop a course what conference sessions can we support people in understanding this concept or in gaining these skills and then looking for ways to add that into the model more gradually, rather than having to do a major overhaul every five to seven years, because that's starting to feel like a really long time these days.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, it is. It really is. All right, uh, Morgan, if people wanted to complete the uh, self-assessment or if they wanted to check the model out, where can they go to do that?
3: So the best place to go is to td.org forward slash capability model, and you'll land on our one-stop shop for all things about the capability model. There's job aids there, some of our explanatory blogs are there, but you will also see a big blue button that says access the model that will take you to uh, the interactive website. And that's available to anyone um, to go and explore the model. If you do want to complete the assessment, you don't have to be a member, but you do have to have a td.org account. And that's so that you can save your progress in case you don't do it all in one sitting. So that's the best place. Um, We, on a quarterly basis, are doing capability model webcasts, which people are welcome to join. The next one will be in May. And um, we also have a biweekly blog series that are talking about each of the individual capabilities. So people can look for that as well.
0: That's terrific. Uh, Morgan, thank you so much for your time and kind of answering our, uh, our <laughs> pointed questions sometimes. I no, really do appreciate it. No,
3: delighted to be here. We're, we've, uh, I get Emails and, and videos emailed to me um several times a week from people who've developed a video talking about the capability model or someone who has, you know, turned it into some kind of job aid that they're using within their organization. Mm, and that's, that's cool. really exciting. So we're just happy to have a chance to chat with you and your listeners about it.
2: This is fantastic, Morgan. Thank you.
3: All right, thanks guys.
0: And uh, ladies and gentlemen that was that was fun. That was a lot of fun to just kind of sit and, and and virtually sit <laughs> and and kind of pick the brain of somebody that you never really thought you were going to uh pick the brain of. What what were you what were you guys thinking? Um what were notes that you took, uh, interesting words that you heard. I thought it was pretty amazing how many people
2: actually chimed in to come up with the the, the capability model. Um I'm glad they did the research and I'm really glad that, you know, it was amazing that she was talking about almost 20 some percent, you know, were outside of the United States and how many people responded to the survey. So I thought that kind of blew my mind. I didn't really understand that uh, going into that. And that was really kind of my big takeaway that a lot of people were involved in it.
1: And, I, you know, I think. Do you have any. With... Re- Hello. Go ahead. OK, I think Hello? like with the way that they went about. Uh, trying to get the survey responded to in the ways that they did through LinkedIn and through things like that. That's where you're going to find people who want to fill that stuff out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is, that is the only thing it's, and you know, I had asked if it was, um, just the ATD base that they sent it to. And that wasn't the case. You know, there were people that are certified through ATD, but not members. And then they put it out on social media, which is good. I mean, that that gives you a bit of an external reach. But, you know, I still guess I kind of wonder about the what you were talking about for a minute there, Eli, with people that come from the business and get into training. I, I don't know if they're if like people that come from the business and get into training, their organization might. Not be saying, well, you really need to you mm-hmm. need to level up your skills because obviously they're happy with that in some way. But you know, there's always professional development. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just still feel like. Well, maybe that's not the target demographic, you know? I, I don't know. I mean, and I just I, like- I kind of wonder too uh, how many people
2: are in training that don't know about ATD, right? Like, we know about it, you know, we've spoke, we've done different things. We've, you know, we just interviewed Morgan on the ATD, but there's a lot of people that I come across in, you know, when I'm interviewing for a position and in their trainer, they've been a trainer for years and they're like, what? Eight, what? I don't know anything about that so i i'm often curious about how many people really know about i mean obviously atd is the big one right they know more More people it's know the about right? it's the big one yeah i think it's the biggest um but i wonder how many people are out there that just don't know about the association
0: yeah I, and i think we've talked about this before they used to be in canada as well they used to be uh well back when it was uh wasn't the A-S-S-T-D. i4pl what's that isn't it
2: the i4pl thing
0: yeah, well, so it used to be. So when there was the American Society of Training and Development, ASTD, we had CSTD, the Canadian version of it. But it seems like about five years ago, I'm ballparking this, but about five years ago, that just went away. And this different group, uh, the yeah, the Institute for Professional Learning or something like that, learning professionals, they, um, they might have bought the email list. I don't know how it worked out, but they took over the franchises. And uh, so now they run it. So the ATD, you know, it still exists here. In that it exists, but there's no chapters or anything like that up here. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought it, I thought it was interesting uh, that you know I would written down the emotional intelligence piece. You know, they she said that the old model they looked at maybe the actual nuts and bolts skills, and now with the new model they added a few different layers in there that might uh, that might actually allow for you know steadier waters or, or people to to bridge gaps that aren't just technical I like that idea yeah. um, I'm and hoping
2: the- I'm hoping they release which I don't think they will I I, I really don't think they will but I would really really like to know uh, and maybe you know now that we have the inside track to Morgan maybe she she'll release the <laughs> data and just go all right guys here's what it is you can have another podcast about it I want to know what the scores are of the people who have taken it. If there's
0: 8,000 people that mm. it does matter. No, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't. I want to know. I totally well, wanna why? It totally I, I, you know, and I, I, I did, did originally. It, I, I really did. I No. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> you, you can't throw <laughs> cast
1: stones until you actually take it. You can't point and go, ha, ha, I know. I just want to know. Test. I want to chicken. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Well, I want to know, chicken, what, what, you're you know what, what to compare. <laughs> oh, hashtag weenie. <laughs> I just want to know what people score. I mean, look, if no one's supposed to score a hundred, what are they, what, what is the average? And then what's, you well, know, what's the median,
0: right? I think, I think this actually comes back to one of the initial, I don't want to say complaints, comments that we had about it was the sheer volume of things that are in it. You know, at least 150 of these statements wow we were there. totally
2: yeah. wrong in that episode we started calling it 150 we weren't even close i was like 45
0: percent off <laughs> i think i think oh, i think man. most of us knew that
1: <laughs> <laughs> um the other thing too that i think we we should have addressed earlier when we talked when we we're talking to morgan is the fact that dan you and i like we took like we were right off taking that thing when we got on that podcast like yeah that ink, was the ink, good ink wasn't day even off. dry on our test or assessment yeah like we finished it and like within two hours we were on that podcast so we it was fresh in our brains and especially the stuff that we didn't like was front and center right which i think is yeah. probably the best way
0: yeah, to, yeah we were a little know, tender at
1: Yeah, we were a little tender i was a little beat up <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you know so i i was i was grateful to hear that she you know said that we don't expect really anybody to get a hundred and going going back to uh something i was saying earlier i mean if they said to three thousand people hey what's important to you well of course it's going to be a lot of different things and they probably did their absolute best work to condense them all but that certainly explains why there's well, I'm going to round up to the nearest 189, but there's 189 of these statements that we have to measure ourselves against. So that means that, you know, some uh, L&D manager in Italy who has a very technical background, he or she might've scored completely different on one of these things. And that obviously kind of all those things go into this massive, massive thing. So I really, I don't know. I, I guess I I don't feel as bad as I did about my score and uh, I don't I don't know that anybody should you know cuz it's one of those things where and I think we touched on this in the in the in episode 19 where you you kind of everybody starts off on zero and maybe something you're you're a 5 or something you're a 10 but yeah, I don't feel bad about this anymore I'm, I'm a little irked still I guess another thing I too I think is
1: it. I don't think like you also need to take into account along with those same lines Dan that you know you could probably pull, you know, a third, so fifty out of hundred and fifty that really apply to what you do, right? Now the yeah. key is like, yeah, how do great. you? you know, what should those fifty apply to what you do? That that model doesn't really help yeah. you identify that. But really, I mean, there's no way that anybody is going to be is going to have all of those things apply to what they do it, it, in their in their long and tenured career.
0: Well, and that was interesting because she even said, uh, Morgan, uh, again, Morgan, ladies and gentlemen, Morgan Hurt, the director of credentialing at ATD, um, even said that. um, Oh, shit, I lost it. (laughs) I was trying to trying to cite something. Uh, I I think it had to do with. uh, 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 Damn it. No, I was talking about Mm -hmm. how not everything applies.
1: Not everything applies. Everyone,
0: oh, yeah, thank you very much. You did it 10 points to you, sir. Uh, and that's Eli Barant, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> uh, that
1: <laughs> okay, go with you the If it. I
0: did it to myself twice, <laughs> 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 that they didn't have people that completed it, so it was, she, you know, she said she had 8,000 people that have started, started it. it, and I. I almost I almost asked, but it didn't really – the flow didn't allow for it. Almost asked, um, you know, how many people have completed it. But if somebody really doesn't give a shit about a third of it, then maybe they never complete it, you know? Um, so that kind of goes to the average score. If they're putting a score – or if they're not answering the question, I'm assuming it gives them a score of zero for that portion, yep. which would just beat the hell out of that that, that average score. So – well, there you go. So, yeah, it's 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 a complicated thing, but that was interesting. That was all right. Uh, any more? Uh, any more final thoughts on this, guys? Mister Costics, anything from you?
2: No, no. I I I think we beat the uh, capability model down pretty good and beat the hatches down on it. So I
0: think we're good. Excellent, excellent Alright, well, I think we have atoned With our friend who was listening in the other room To the conversation we had about them uh, And again, if you wanted to uh, Catch the show notes for this episode Mosby.ca Slash zero two five, You can do that Oh, did we have any uh, any uh, listener mail, Adam? We did not, and I've been watching it like a hawk Like a hawk, alright, cool yeah. I did, I thought I had a note from Portland, Portland. Portland, but I don't see it here, so I'll have to. I don't know. Maybe in the next episode, I'll get to that. Uh, bu- 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 okay. So now, now it comes to the thing that I, I am just. I, I, some days I'm excited about this Some days I'm not The social media piece of it uh, We did a little social media breakdown On the last episode So there is There is benefit to it I mean without social media We would not have Had the luxury Of talking with uh, Morgan tonight So this was This was like I said A real treat uh, If you want to Follow us On uh, Twitter That's That's just Mosby Learning Isn't it Hit it Mosby Learning I love it Very easy uh, If you uh, Adam Where can people find you should um, they want to,
2: probably best is just LinkedIn. It's Adam Costix, and I'm on
0: LinkedIn. There you go, Mr. Barant. How about yourself?
1: Uh, I'm available on LinkedIn or as Great Lakes Fly on Instagram.
0: Very good. You can find me on uh, on LinkedIn. That's where I post most of my interesting things. I post less interesting things on Instagram as Dan Talks Training. Twitter, I'm Dan Talks L N D. And this show, oh, I don't even have it here. Damn it. Uh, we're we're on YouTube as well. We put most of these on YouTube, and that I think is just under my channel, Daniel Hurt. I should get a proper channel, anyways. Uh, a special thanks uh, or or regular thanks to Kevin McLeod and the music that we get from him for this show. He always does a nice job. Uh, from com, you can find music there and uh, a research thank you to one uh, Mr. Ty Roberts so thank you very much for that and that's it ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to us today and we'll talk to you next week bye 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 bye
1: out <laughs> see ya
2: So I was just in Michigan. I had a bunch of this week. This is an occasion to tell your
0: friends about. Kind of
1: walked right into that one.